Welcome back to another episode of the Unhindered Podcast. I've had a mixed week, and I think probably most most weeks are mixed, so there's nothing unusual about that, but let me tell you about a few of the highs and lows of this week. Kat and I got to go away for a couple of days in Canberra for our 24th wedding anniversary. Now, over the years, that is one thing we have particularly dialed in, the short break. only has to be traveling somewhere out of Goulburn, it could be 10 minutes out of town, but as soon as we've made the arrangements, sort of the kids, got someone to look after the dogs, wrapped up any urgent business matters, we're in the car, we grab a coffee at the first available stop, like the air changes, you breathe differently. There's a just a refreshing vibe around being away. And, and to do that together, uh, it, it truly is one of life's, one of life's great delights. Um, and and let alone the fact that we are in, we're deeply in love with each other and, and more in love than we've ever been and the space between us is clean so we couldn't not have a great time away um, but it was particularly lovely and we had we had great food um, you know lots of great experiences in the city but I find that in those times away where there's nothing expected of me I'm particularly creative um, it's no surprise to you that I say that my my work is kind of all-consuming in that this is not some job it's my life it's something I've committed my whole heart to Um, but there are you know there are roles to fulfill there are coaching sessions to deliver there are books to write there are um, online coaching responses to give there's marketing there's social media there's a whole bunch of you know day-to-day operations involved in running a successful business and then you go away on holidays and, and none of that is required at least for two or three days And what happens in those moments when nothing is required is that I find because I don't have to be thinking about the business now, the things that pop into my mind are delightful ideas, are refreshing ideas, or ideas are there because they want to be there, not because they have to be there. So um, I can't help coming home energized and inspired about the future. So... That was magic. Uh, also, uh, you may have heard in a previous episode, I, I think I've only said this once in the 276 prior episodes of, of the podcast, that one of my silly ideas was to have a spa. And for some reason, uh, you know, I've not thought that was important enough or a priority or that I could do without it or whatever way I, I found not to have a spa. Well, anyway... We ordered a spa a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's here. It's 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 in this week. There's water in it. It's heating up. We're about to swim, and it was an enjoyable experience in so many ways. Just seeing that thing pull up, um, because prior to that, uh, it needed a slab to be installed to sit on. And I told Catherine that I was going to run lead on the slab project, and she said, "Ah, oh, great." And so, who who will you get to help you? And I said, "No one. I'm going to build this myself." And she says, yeah, but you don't know how to build a slab. And I said, well, I'm not going to let that stop me and I'm going to do this. So uh, just don't worry about it. It's under control. And so <laughs> I just backed myself in to put a slab in and did, did some research, uh, thought it through, preempted some of the mistakes I could have made and went about building this slab. Um, I probably started, I, I poured it last Saturday and I 
or two Saturdays ago and I probably started uh, a little late in the day and then I run out of sand and cement halfway through or three quarters of the way through and so I had to make a mad dash to sand and soil and then I still only got just enough like literally used the last grain of sand and the last grain of cement um, and then it was too wet and then it was cold and so it wasn't going off and uh, all the time Catherine's sticking her head out the window checking on how I'm going and it's good yeah we're going good all under control um, meanwhile I'm sweating thinking oh no have I actually thought this through properly long story short uh, it looks a little rough but uh, Catherine gave it the thumbs up she came out the next day ah that looks good well done and so, anyway, I, I built a slab. I built a slab. Oh, I built a slab. I'm basically, uh, yeah, a qualified tradesman. If anyone's looking for concreting in the future, that will now be on the website as uh, in addition to the coaching and retreat and writing services I offer, concrete. So, another real high. Can't wait to dip a toe in later today when that thing heats up enough. Uh, what started out as a high that ended as a low was going to the TEDx open mic night last week. I had pitched, as you'd heard me describe, that I'd I'd pitched this idea. I'd only imagined that they'd love the idea. The email I got back said, Jamin, we've reviewed your idea and unfortunately uh, you're not successful in, in getting through to our open mic night. And then an hour later, after I'd gone to bed, mind you, so I had to see this in the morning, the next email comes through saying, hi, Jamin, we've reviewed your submission and congratulations, you've been successful. We'll see you on Thursday night. So uh, after that heart attack, I don't know what happened there. But anyway, so I I prepared my three minutes. And, uh, you know, three minutes, I don't know how that sounds to you, whether that sounds like a long time if you're a good public speaker and you're used to it. uh, Maybe that doesn't sound like much at all. Uh, But I I thought, well, three minutes, okay, that's, that's enough. Of all the stuff that I talk about in this idea of upgrading from discipline to permission, what three minutes will I use and how will I pitch this and the idea around framing it uh, you know getting dressed in a hard hat and high vis and framing it around the metaphor of the safety officer that came to me on the on the you know, time away with Kat in the city so I really liked that and I thought that's a great way of starting this um, and then I, I thought the best introduction is to rather than explain um, how I came to this idea or qualify this idea I'm actually convinced that no one really cares how you know what you know I don't think I don't think we, we really mind. We just want to know that you know it, and and you know it well enough that when you share it, it's going to be useful. So I, I started with that very line. I just said, "Yeah, doesn't really matter how I know this. Um, I do. I, I do know this, and I know this with all my heart. And and I think what I know will be really useful to you. I think it's an idea that that can change the world, as it's already changed my world. So I I really loved how I'd put it together and constructed it in my mind I love the exercise of refining that idea and sharpening it and choosing which words to use and which stories to tell in that three minutes uh, but then when I, I got into the room um, I I saw as soon as I walked in there I just felt well, I can't I can't find the magic in here um, now that might seem strange to you but my experience of, of public speaking is that the room totally matters it is it is one half I don't know whether it's an equal half, but it's definitely definitely a big part of the overall experience of how effective a talk is. 
Um, it's one thing for me to come with magic, but, but whether I get to deliver magic will depend upon the room. Is the room ready for magic? Does the room want magic? Does the room have a way of making sense of the magic? Will the room actually see it as magic? And, and I got out on stage and opened my mouth with the prepared talk that I'd, I'd got and, and it fell flat on the floor in front of me and it was a very painful experience and there was no magic, none at all and then even so in the car on the way up I, I kind of was overreaching and getting it up to go 3.30 3 minutes 40 and had to drop it back but um, when I got up and delivered it I got off stage at 2 minutes 30 and, and left things unsaid um, so that wasn't fun at, at all. And then the experience of going, ah, I was sure that was magic. I was sure I had an idea that could change the world, but they were just words. They weren't going to change anything or anyone. That's, that's strange. And it took me a while to regroup to go, okay, so then is that a problem with the words? Am I delusional? Um, no, of course I'm not delusional. I do have magic. This is an important message. It just wasn't the right time or place for this message to be delivered. Uh, and and then the other painful thing around being in that TEDx open mic night was the problem with vulnerability. I'm going to blame Brene Brown for this, and that's really unfair, Brene, um, if you're listening. But look, we all love a scapegoat, so you'll do for now. I think the, the vulnerability movement, and especially in the um, kind of the woke age that we live in, there are all kinds of wonderful things around being vulnerable and the freedom to be vulnerable now. Please hear me say that. Uh, but the problem with vulnerability is that now you are celebrated. Your vulnerability gets celebrated and with it your dysfunction. So if you've got a problem, if you're different, if you're somehow other than, if you've got something that previously would have got you shamed, um, ridiculed, uh, ostracized um, downtrodden there's another word I'm looking for that I can't find disadvantaged there it is uh, previously you would have not shared those things for fear of all those bad things happening now you get to say ah but actually I'm special because I've got these things and now you have to treat me like a special person and I'm more special the more different I am so it's an advantage Jordan Peterson talked at length on, about this idea with the transgender issue in, on Joe Rogan's podcast and just said, um, you know, obviously there are, there are a percentage of the population that um, are genetically ambiguous and who in a process of finding themselves born in a body that is not congruent with how they see themselves, I, um, I think that's a real thing. Um, but what's what's become problematic with that issue is uh, if you put your hand up and say, hey, look, I, I want to change my sex and you need to celebrate that that's a beautiful thing and you can't even question whether I should want that, um, then, then we've got a problem because now you're celebrated for having a difficulty and, and then almost rewarded and, and get back pay for all the years of suffering you've had for being born that way and everyone's apologetic and you can get away with anything. And so... That's, that's not healthy. That's going to create to a range of other problems, especially when you're making long-term changes to your body. Jordan Peterson says, you know, maybe 20 years ago, that 
that thing that was culturally celebrated was anorexia. If you put your hand up and said, I'm an anorexic or I suffer bulimia, they were the conditions that got you, that made you special. Um, But then that became more and more common and so therefore less and less special. Um, So again, not saying that there's there's no such thing as anorexia or bulimia or some people don't struggle. The, The point is, if you celebrate vulnerability as an end in itself, then you make people more dysfunctional. And so at this TEDx event, there was, I would say, more than half of the people who were pitching. So there were 17, 17 people pitching out of 100 who'd applied, 17 got through to pitch. And, and more than half of those 17 were speaking from a place of great pain, unresolved pain, putting their hand up to say, this is who I am. And, and previously I've suffered because of who I am. But now I will be celebrated for who I am and you must hear who I am and you must understand who I am and you must accept who I am and let me be me the way that I am like this. And there's no other way to think about it. And, and you will be criticized and shamed and canceled if you think about this any other way. More than half the talks were, were people um, promoting their, their point of pain. It's not fun to watch someone do that. It's not fun to have your rational thinking shamed to go, I don't know that that's right. There, there was one in particular, and I'm making a, a big judgment call here, So, but it's my podcast, right? So I, I can get away with whatever I want. And if you don't like it, you just won't listen. But, but just hear this example and see what you think about this. Um, there was one such talk, um, and one of the topics he was covering was the, the importance of transgenerational relationships. Now, I'd never heard that term before, but then um, he pointed to his, so he was a young gay guy, um, very, very exuberant and um, dressed very sharply. Uh, and he pointed to his elderly partner who was, um, who was not dressed sharply at all. In fact, um, you know, quite the opposite. And, and he was promoting how wonderful it was that we should celebrate transgenerational relationships now you know without that title i'm not sure you think about it the same way you, you might even go as far as saying this young man perhaps is in search of a father um, and that old man perhaps is a little mischievous in what he's after perhaps it's a little perverted what he wants there are other words that could be used in that situation which at times are, are completely illegal <laughs> but when there's a title, transgenerational relationship, oh, that must be good and we must celebrate it and you cannot think about it in any other way. And so there's a real cognitive dissonance to that because you look at it and you go, it's not beautiful. There's nothing beautiful about that. That doesn't look loving. It looks pain. It looks, it looks driven from a point of great pain. And I'm being told that that's, no, that's actually a really good thing. So I didn't enjoy that. I, I didn't. I didn't enjoy the experience of speaking in that room. I didn't enjoy the experience of being in that room. Um, but nevertheless, I I love the idea of TEDx. I love the platform to share ideas that that can change the world. And I I know that I I have an idea that that will change the world. And so I must find all kinds of platforms to share that idea. So we'll see what happens next with TEDx. But it wasn't fun. Um, and then. The other really unfun thing in my week was a client I'd been working with got partway in, three three sessions in, partway through our third session in, and uh, while I was talking through uh, some of the process around uh, coaching where she was at, she stopped me and said, 
um, Jamer and I, I actually can't hear another word from you. I've, this is not working for me. This is so against how I think and see. I'm, I'm shutting down. My whole system is shutting down hearing you talk about this situation in this way. I, I can't continue. Uh, and then since he emailed me and said, no, we're actually done. I, I do not want to continue in any way, shape or form. So uh, processing that, that, that's not a fun experience to be wholehearted about serving someone and then for them to feel like my serving them is creating them to shut down, that, that, that I am a source of, of increasing. They've come for me to solve pain and lessen pain and, and all I've done is, is make their pain tenfold worse. So over the weekend, I had cause to consider Wow, how did that happen? Why did that happen? What does that mean? So without in any way seeking to use this platform to prove that I'm right and she's wrong, uh, I think it's a really important point to consider what happened and what does it mean. Uh, So the way that I've thought about it, my son helped me think about this. He didn't know he was helping me think about it at the time, but he, he gave me a great example of, what's what's actually at play here so he's started a school-based apprenticeship this year um i loved maths when i was at school but he doesn't and and amity doesn't really love maths either either i I thought maths and science physics was just brilliant and it that kind of information it found its way into this cave in my brain that is protected from the elements and so it's stored that information stored there just as pristine as when when it was installed um, in, in my high school years and so I I got to do some school, some maths tutoring when I left school just because it made sense to me I enjoyed maths and not everyone enjoyed maths and so I found a way to, to keep my maths brain on and then all that information is still there when my kids went through school and so I was I was the parent who was most likely to be helping them with their maths homework and it didn't often go well both of my kids resented my input and didn't enjoy it, didn't find there's any reason to understand maths. And so at some point I went, uh, I don't know that this is worth the investment of time and energy. I think these these kids are not necessarily going to enjoy maths and that's probably going to be okay for them. So no point flogging a dead horse. Well, that maybe that's a bit extreme, but no point um, forcing them to do something they, they really don't want to do. Uh, but now my son's got a reason to do maths again because he wants to be a carpenter, um, in, you know, doing a carpentry apprenticeship to become a builder and you're going to need to understand some some basic math concepts to work out size and shapes and materials and costs and all kinds of things so he showed me a maths worksheet that his school teacher he's sorry his TAFE teacher had given him specifically he had to work out the volume of dirt taken from 15 cylinders so pier holes to work out how much concrete would go back in and he was just like I don't I got no idea how to do this and he said oh the teacher showed us the formula and the formula is TXR2 that's how you do it dad and if you press this button on the calculator then you get the right answer and so can you just show me the buttons to press again so I can get this right um, I've got five minutes um, and then can that's all I want to do and I thought just hang on a minute because TX R2, <laughs> wait, hang on, that's not a T, that's that's pi, you know what pi is, no, what's pi, um, that's not an X, that's a multiplication symbol, and, and that R, that means radius, you know what the radius is, 
And two, that, that means squared. Do you know the difference between times something by two and squaring it? No, I've got no idea. But Dad, can you just show, I don't really care how this works. Just show me the buttons to press on the calculator so I get the right answer. That's all I want from you. And so, like, I, I didn't give him what he wanted. I, I didn't because how would that serve him? If, if he can get the right buttons to press on the calculator in this moment, it is possible for him to get the right answer. But then what, how does that help him be a builder? Because those, that exact scenario was unlikely to be ever repeated in that exact way. And, and if it is, is he likely to remember which buttons he pressed? He hasn't got any way for that information to stick. If he doesn't understand why that formula is the way that it is, what it means, and what the value of finding this information out is, then no amount of memorizing is is going to last in his brain. And so I take the time against his will initially, but to pitch to him, can I help you understand what is going on here? Can I give you a reason to understand why these figures are the way they are, why this formula is so and so? I had to go back a bit and explain radius, diameter, circumference, volume, area, perimeter, or basic geometry. And it was painful for him. Um, and we it got a little heated there for a while but i i didn't give in and i i stayed the course with him and i believed in his ability to think it through and believed in that he had enough of a reason to think it through so i had some leverage where perhaps i didn't have any leverage at school because he's like i don't get the point so even if i do understand this i don't want to understand this whereas now i want to be a builder so i actually gonna need this so yeah all right keep talking keep talking keep talking so although it wasn't fun and it required some challenging conversations it was a really lovely and exciting endpoint for Elliot to go huh actually that actually makes sense I understand that and then for him to go okay let, let me have a go on my own let me see if I can think about this for the next object and next shape and then for him to bring the formula to bear on a new problem and, and understand how it got plugged in and to watch him go, oh, that's actually good, and then to have confidence to go back to class the next day feeling like he understood it. Now, I actually think that's very similar to what happened with my client. I, I think her natural tendency is toward um, magic, mystical, spiritual ways of understanding life and understanding health, and, and that is a beautiful thing, and, and she's wonderfully connected spiritually. And I think the real point that she struggled with was my ins insistence that structure be the way we think about solving this problem. I loved the idea of structure, of understanding structure, and I'm convinced that without understanding structure, without a full understanding of structure, it is impossible to be free. I'm reading a book this week called uh, Change Your Life in Seven Days. I went through my library and was cleaning out a bunch of books that I've had on the shelves for years that I hadn't read. And um, This one got to the chuck-out pile and then sat on the bench before it made it to the bookstore to give them uh, these books. And then something about it went, no, I, I need to have another look at that. And so it made it back into my reading pile. So Change Your Life in Seven Days by Paul McKenna. So he's a, a world-class hypnotist and NLP specialist in the UK. And uh, he said a line in the introduction which stopped me in my tracks. Um, and that was, understanding is the booby prize. And so he advocates 
uh, a way of very fast change. He, he says that, you know, the idea that change doesn't happen in a moment, that's an idea that was installed only 100 years ago or, or more by the psychoanalysts, you know, so Freud predominantly. And, and the irony of the psychoanalysts is that they were not change specialists. They were seeking to just try and understand why you are the way you are. It doesn't, we're not looking to change it. We just want to understand your dysfunction and understand your condition and understand why you behave the way that you do. And so the irony in Paul's mind is that, you know, the people who weren't actually trying to do change are the ones that then have kind of created this narrative that change doesn't happen instantly. Change takes a long time. So he says, no, no, change happens in an instant. And I'll watch, I'll show you how change happens in an instant. Now, I, I believe him and I've, I've watched this happen with hypnotists and NLP specialists. And the tools and techniques are incredibly powerful programming scripts to your unconscious, direct to your unconscious mind. And you can have an instantly different internal representation of a problem that 10 seconds ago you experienced as traumatic and painful and distressing. And with a flick of a switch, you can alter your internal representation of that exact same experience and alter it and experience it differently. So... Paul says, what you want is change. You don't care how the change happens. You don't care why the change happens. All you care about is that the change happens. That to me is like Elliot saying, tell me the buttons to press on the calculator. Just, I don't know. I don't care why this works. I don't care about the formula. I don't care who invented this formula. I don't care what the application just tell me how to get the right answer now. So you can get the right answer now and you can get the change in an instant. You can. But the problem is what happens next week when you're faced with a similar but different challenge and you have no way of thinking about it. You have no way of applying what happened in that specific situation with that specific moment in time that had a charge in your brain. You don't know how to bring that into this new situation that is different but the same. And so then because you're now stuck by the next challenge, that then causes you to devalue the experience of freedom you had in the last one and, and have, you have to write it off as a magical experience that was a trick of the mind or, or in fact empty, in fact false. It didn't really happen because now you're stuck worse than you were before. Understanding is no booby prize. I refuse, refuse to accept that. That is a horrible way of thinking about human change. And why wouldn't you want to understand? So I, I watch NLP specialists um, sell the value of their work by the idea is that all your trauma all your woundedness all your pain you don't actually have to go and think about that stuff you don't you don't want to think about it i know and watch this you won't have to think about it do these techniques apply these tools run these scripts and you can be free from the pain you can get distance from that pain without having to understand it what why why don't you want to understand it because I, I'm convinced that if you understand it, it's different than how you think it is. You don't want to understand it because you think there is no point in understanding it because you won't want to understand it and understanding it will give you no value. That's never, ever true. And so I, I held this woman in a space around structure and the, the two things around structure that I'm inexorable around and I think that they're two of the most beautiful words. They open up a world of profound change. Um, the, the two words are agreement and strategy and and so I go the value of 
understanding how you got here is to go back and look at these pain points differently to to look through the misdirection of what was said to you and what was done to you and actually look in all of this and see when those things were said and done to you you accused yourself of being implicit and then you agreed with that accusation so it wasn't the accusation that ruined your life and it's not the belief now that is the start of that it's the agreement that joins the accusation to a belief and locks it in stone and then becomes the filter which then causes you to run strategies from that pivot point off the back of that agreement you then pivot into directing all your best energy as a strategy to meet your needs and protect your fears based off what you've agreed is true and and in fact wrong with you so if you can see those two words agreement and, and strategy agreement and strategy it just simplifies all the chaos it blocks out all the noise it pinpoints your part in this mess and your part out of this mess so that that those two words can be cross applied into any situation into any memory just like a great formula it's going to work anywhere for any cylinder anywhere any hole any size any shape anywhere in the world like you can take that same formula you know pi r squared define the area times by the depth you've you've got your volume that's going to work for you and if you understand why it works and how it works then it's not just pressing keys on a button Um, and so like i i believe in i believed in her ability to handle the truth just like i believed in elliot's ability to handle the truth i believed that pushing through and serving his ultimate goal to get work that he wants that structure will serve him and this client who came to me jamin i must break free from insecurity i believe in her ability to handle the truth i believe wholeheartedly in in her ability to handle structure and 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 this idea of believing in you is is language that is really important for you to hear from me today because you've probably heard a lot from me around how i believe in myself and I certainly do. In particular, like so two trips to the US in the last 12 months, I, I think I am, I am changed in all kinds of beautiful ways from both those trips, especially the last one. Flying back across the US on, on my way back to LA to then fly to Sydney was such a profound moment of, of clarity around the idea that I know who I am, I know who I am and I know what I'm doing and that I, I am so clear around the the big idea that i have for my life and and more than being clear about the idea i am so clear about the outworking of that and the impact and how that plays out and the level of level of power and focus i drop into daily around seeing the fulfillment of all of my hopes and dreams in in a way that is so real that it is real as anything that is in the practical world here and now um and i mean it, it wouldn't serve me or you for me to explain the complete level of certainty i have because i think it would be too much you wouldn't know what to do with it um it it may sound arrogant or it may sound um false in some way Uh, so i won't tell you all the things that i say about myself and to myself and i I wouldn't ever show you my journal about how i write about my future and my present and um but but all the reason i'm sharing this with you is because um I've had to forge a way to believe in myself. So I've had to uh, be the one who took full responsibility in, in knowing who I am and seeing me. And I think in a drought. So that is not to 
complain about my environment, but I think it's an accurate description. I, I've got plenty of friends and families who, in my estimation, seem to have um, a more supportive entrepreneurial community around them, uh, a community that would um, really elevate them and see them as they see themselves and encourage them to, to, to do more. That, that hasn't been my experience. Um, part of where I live and who I am and just the connections I have, I don't feel that there are, there are many people um, or, or any person really as I've journeyed who's actually understood what I carry or what I'm trying to do. And so it's an often often a very lonely road of having to go within myself and to be the one that just to make sure I know it. Even if no one else knows it, even if no one else can see it, if no one else fully understands it, no one else fully believes it about me, well, well I do. And I take that job incredibly seriously. And so I think in reflection over the last few, few years in particular, all my best energy has gone to elevating myself to that place where I know that I know that I know that my destiny will be fulfilled and along the way I've certainly elevated others I, I know that I have uh, but in reflecting on it this week I, I have such an abundance of belief I've got belief to share now more belief to share than I've ever had before I'm good like I I'm, I, I, I promise you I am good I, I know how this story ends I have such a high level of um, unwavering faith and extraordinary action and to use the miracle equation from from Hal Elrod um, that I, I know how this ends and so I am able to then direct my best energy toward believing in you to fully believe in you to go you, you can handle the truth you can handle structure you can handle an extraordinary amount of structure the structure will not break you the structure will not burden you the structure will not be too much the structure will be the thing that brings you the thing that you most want the freedom and liberation this structure will help you understand exactly how you got here and and when you see it as it actually is rather than how you imagine it is you will be able to handle that truth your fear is you won't be able to handle the truth of the structure that's why anyone wouldn't want structure they're like i don't i'm not smart enough to handle this i'm not big enough to handle this it's too it's beyond me i must just run away from the real tragedy of my life and find ways to escape that which which i think is what spirituality often becomes for people like I, i'm as spiritual as the next person i promise you i love the magic i love the mystical i microdose lsd i've done a full lsd um, you know full two dab trip uh, i speak in tongues i get raptured into ecstasy moments of ec- ecstasis and wonder and awe i i am caught up with angels like i i promise you the spiritual experience i have is vibrant and real but I understand completely that my first job was to work out how to be a good human. And that is my message, that if you are looking to escape your humanity because it's too much when you can't handle it, then your spirituality will be abstract. It will be no earthly good to you or anyone else, by the way. It will make you a weirdo. It will disconnect you from your families and your friends and your workplaces. It will disconnect you from God. It will disconnect you from yourself. You are a human and and your first responsibility is to understand how to be a human, to, to bring the best gifts you were given and to 
integrate them and combine them and organize them within your being to have a full human experience and then include and integrate into a full spirituality. That's where life really gets dramatically wonderful and, and powerfully magic. So I'm up for magic. Don't don't let me, you know, don't hear anything else. I'm not just in my head as rational and logic are everything, but they have their place. Uh, I, I love William White Cloud's book, um, The Laws, what's it called? The Magician's Way and uh, his seven laws of magic, seven secrets of magic. Secret number five, the fifth secret is that structure has integrity. So something structure dictates its behavior. So magic has structure. Structure is an absolutely essential part of how you are behaving the way you are. You are not behaving this way without structure. It's not weird. It's not mysterious. It's unknowable. It's incredibly structured. And if you're going to ultimately change your behavior you are have you will have to change the structure and to change the structure you're going to have to understand the initial setup to see it as it is and then you're going to have to bring your best adult skills to deconstruct it to pull it apart to break it down to its smallest moving parts and then bring your power to bear on reconstructing it on rebuilding it as an adult the way that you want and i believe in your capacity to do that every single human i know you can i know you want to i know you will benefit from that just like the maths formulas this idea around how insecurity gets solved is solid and useful so I think all that happened for my client was she got scared. I mean, that's that's the irony of it is that um, she came to me because she was scared and, and then she left me because she was still scared and thought the problem was the structure, which is a great misunderstanding and great tragedy. So if this is meaningful to you and resonating and you are convinced that you actually going to need some mass formulas and not just so you can press the right buttons on the calculator but the understanding of how and why these formulas work is actually of great benefit to you and that will give you more of what you want in the real world then can i point you to my second book elegantly simple solutions to complex people problems uh, the third edition of that was republished in 2018 and and that book still is as by most popular book I've sold more copies of that book than, than any other Unhindered's getting close but that one still has sold more books around the world and and I think that if you haven't read that book yet uh, it could be a really great way of diving back into structure and understanding the, the power of how your world is ordered the, the beautiful setup because if you can understand that people work perfectly the moment you realize that you are not broken your results are not weird or mysterious that of course you are the way that you are you've been trying a whole bunch of things to get results and you have been working against the exact structure that is producing those results in the first place <laughs> so of course you're still stuck like of course you're still frustrated of course you're still insecure of course you're still afraid of course self-doubt is still overwhelming that's actually not a failure all you're experiencing is the power of the structure that is already creating those results so um, nothing strange about that at all when you see that people work perfectly it's it's breathtaking because then you can stop fighting against the structure and although i've just given you an example of someone who um, left the structure process because they felt they couldn't handle it 
I know that is possible, but it's a misunderstanding. If you want to change your life, you can. If you want to be free from insecurity, you actually can. And hear me say this, what that bell curve in my unhindered book, which says the window for change peaks at 40, and that most people will experience their most readiness for change, one standard deviation from that midpoint of 40, so that's 35 to 45, and then it drops away significantly either side, whether you are younger or older than that, still with 100% certainty, if you want to change your life, no matter how old you are, you can. That's all that needs to be said around that. And the great thing around that bell curve is it doesn't exclude anyone. It just says it may be a little harder. In fact, it will be harder when you're young and when you're old. But if you want to, you can. And I think it's right to be upset with people that sell sugar pills and lightweight solutions. I think it's such a horrible thing to offer false hope, to prey on weakness. I... I, was, I told someone that I taped something off the telly the other day and they were like, wait, what? You, you taped it off the telly? Does anyone actually watch the telly anymore? I do. I, I, I tape shows all the time. Well, specifically, I don't tape it onto a VHS, but I have a, a hard drive recorder plugged into my TV so I can record shows and then watch them without the ads. But occasionally, I'll still catch an ad here and there and there's been an ad playing recently that I've seen a fair bit of, which is for Aston, Aston Martin, not Aston Martin, Ashley, Ashley and Martin. Aston Martin's the car. Ashley and Martin. That's them. Hair loss. Money back guarantee. So, but all their ads are pitched towards great vulnerability. So men talking about their embarrassment and shame about losing their hair and how it's ruining their life and getting in the way of fulfilling life is causing them to say no to things that they want to say yes to. And the ad is preying on their vulnerability, trying to make money off their vulnerability. What a horrible thing to do. People who sell solutions to the pain without helping you understand what's causing that pain in the first place. So sure, your hair might be falling out, but does that actually mean you are less attractive? Does it actually mean you are less desirable? Does that actually mean you, people are thinking less of you? Is that, is that all objectively true? Uh, no, it's just revealing the insecurity, your worst opinions about yourself that were protected by having a full head of hair for a certain time that says, well, I'm attractive while I've got this hair and without this hair, now you can see who I really am. Rubbish. So it's right to be upset at people who offer ridiculous short-term solutions without understanding structure. It's right to be suspicious about snake oil. One of the most beautiful and powerful ideas around being human is that desire is central to being alive. The dream that you have in your heart for what you've wanted for your life that has been impossible, that you are locked out of, that seems too far or too beyond you, too costly, is going to be too risky. Oh boy, that dream, that's that's an important dream, not just for you but for the world. You're sitting on great value. You're sitting on great contribution. You're the only one of you and your dreams are precious. They're sacred. And to have you die with the dream still inside you, we all lose. That's, that's of no value to anyone. So... 
I believe in you. I believe in your dream. I believe in your ability to bring that dream to bear. I believe in your ability to handle the confrontation of all that stands between you and that dream. You're going to be okay. Sit down, do your maths, understand the structure. You're going to be okay. I'll talk to you again next week.